The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. New Phyrexia is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order New Phyrexia today. Self-indulgent? You haven't seen anything yet. Let's go and get your grimy with the rhyme style line scene. Now, never mind the crazy times behind me. But I'd like to mention how thankful I am for everyone that reads my article. Star City Games, Channel, Fireball, Legion Events, and RIW, MTG Mom, and MTG Salvation, Mana Nation, Quiet Speculation, The Magic Show, and The Starkington Post. The podcasters casting from coast to coast. Top 8 Magic, Yo MTG Taps, Men of Magic, and MTG Cast. Limited resources, mana deprived. MTG the source, 60 cards, GG's live. TCG playoff, the 1802 drop. Blogs by Jerry, AJ5 with Flores, stop. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 64 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. I'm here with Joey Pasco and Bill Bolden, aka Spruik, aka The Gathering who is totally awesome and who made the music you just heard. Okay, I'm done acting like I'm not interested. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Hey, everybody. This is Joey, and then there's Bill. So uh, we've got a pretty cool episode. First of all, welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, it seems like you're you're making you're doing the tour the the podcast circuit. You've been on uh, (laughs) quite a number of podcasts over the last week or two. I mean, yeah, two is quite a number. I hit up uh, Men and Magic, and then I was on Untapped last week, r- which was a real treat. So, uh, we're really excited. Let's let's just start off with that because you know now that it's already come up, uh, plug your album. Tell us tell us what's going on. Okay, well, um, it hits Monday, May 9th, and it's going to be for sale on the front page of all the major websites, including uh, Star City Games, Channel Fireball. And uh, half a dozen, you know, other vendors and notable magic sites around the net. Um, it's a digital download. Going to be going just for nine ninety nine. Like we're just trying to have some fun with it. So like standard, you know, digital album pricing. And uh, it's sixteen tracks long. It is a whopping amount of just MTG music. Like uh, some people think of me just as a MTG rapper because that's how I started. But we really took it to whole new places with this project. Once we started uh, exploring different like venues, like there's, we hit pretty much every genre of music, and we sort of hit a lot of different elements of MTG culture, like ranging from the pro tour and Patrick talking about like what it's like, like the life on the pro tour, ranging to down just like the nickel and dime stuff, like songs like still had all these, like talking about the play by play of like man, this is what it's like to play in a tournament, like from the big to the little, we're just hitting everything in between, you know. Still had all these is the song that I heard first of yours and just immediately fell in love with it. Uh, I think it's just one of the most clever and awesome things to uh, come out of the magic community in a really long time, honestly. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, th- those are all based on like true stories. Like that's the whole point is just uh, communicating with people on a level they can understand. You know, like uh, everyone's been there, played against a rude opponent who wouldn't let them get away after a loss, and you just tap into that and let them know, like, hey, man, I've been there too, and this is what it's like musically. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's such a fun song. I think uh, 
I like that one, and then the the one that I actually first heard was Shuffle Them Up, which I just liked right off the bat with uh, Turn 1 Visions and a Turn 2 Blossom. It was speaking right to the heart of standard, I think. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I wrote time. it fresh off of regionals in, I want to say, oh wait, I'm pretty sure it was the year that was uh, Time Spiral. Yeah, it was... Uh, Lorwyn regionals. Right, Lorwyn came out in 2007 and Bitter Blossom was in Morning Tide, so that was early 2008, so that makes sense. Yep, so we were just coming back from 2008 regionals, and like I said, it never was on the Pro Tour, I obviously took ninth place, um... Almost got there, but the whole day it just felt so good, and you know all the shuffling and everything. I just had to get that one off my chest. And people are like, "We have so much fun going to tournaments, Bill. Like, and you make all this music all the time as Spruik. You should, you know, you'd be funny if you recorded a rap song about it." And I'm like, "All right, I'm just gonna, you know, speak straight from the heart. Turn one visions and a turn two blossom." So was <laughs> was that actually the first uh, the gathering song? Yep, that was when the uh, gathering was born, kind of on a whim. I was doing a lot of work as Spruik at the time, um, recording songs with all these people. And so I had all the equipment and everything. I just went for it, kind of like I love making music and I really love magic. And, you know, I'm like knee deep in magic all the time. It's like my main hobby after music. So I just, you know, combined the two. And then the response from the community was just great. Like I had people linking to the song saying, this is awesome. So I made a few more as magic events warranted. after regionals the next year i made never was on the pro tour and then it was after grand prix boston i made still had all these because uh as you know from the lyrics there's definitely some grand prix boston elements in there (laughs) and it was after that that i got put on the uh front page of the wizards mothership Mm -hmm. and uh after that i'm just like maybe this is really something i started thinking i was going to do an album not long after that chapin said in one of his star city articles you know, he was doing an article as per normal, and then towards the end, he's like, you know what? I think, what if next year I made a magic rap album? I'm sick like that. I might do it, you know? What if? What if? And I just was on Facebook messaging him the next day saying, hey, if you were serious about that and that just wasn't a joke, uh, get in touch with me. I've been doing this. Like, we can collaborate. It could be great. And he was very receptive, and that's how the project took off. That's so awesome. Like, it's such a uh, such a fun kind of story like you're just doing this on your own and then that kind of thing that just offhanded comment leads to such a you know such a a big kind of exciting project it's funny to think about it too because it's uh on the one hand it seems so unlikely like what are the odds that i was doing this and that he thought to throw that you know signal out there and that i capitalized on it but on the other hand it almost seems too perfect like why shouldn't it work like it had to work if there was a pro out there who was going to get into the idea of making raps with me loving magic so much and always reading all the articles like it's inevitable that this connection be made which is sweet so you obviously you said you or you had recorded a couple songs on your own it was like four or five songs i know there's shuffle them up still had all these never was on the pro tour uh don't drink and draft is that one on the album as well Yes, Don't Drink and Draft is on the album. My personal uh, favorite of the ones I did on my own. So are those the only four that you did on your own, or am I missing one? Uh, Money Draft. 
So how many tracks are actually on the album? Uh, 16. Okay, and uh, and so five of them... Are, are, is Money Draft also on the album? Yes. Okay, so it's five of yours uh, solo, I suppose, and then the rest are, uh, are you and Chapin collaborating, is that right? I believe that while we were working together, I ripped out one more solo, just because as we were doing it... Um, as we were making it, one track was coming along with a really strong like contribution from me, and we just decided to make that another solo me track without um, a contribution for Chapin. But he's on all the rest. I could actually run through the track list right here. I've got it up. Uh, okay. So the Gathering album will contain Introducing, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Still Had All These, Him to Turok, Don't Drink and Draft, Brewmaster's Delight, Road Trippin', Innovate, Mythic Rare, Shuffle Em Up, Checks yourself before you Phyrex yourself. Mize, <laughs> Money Draft, Never Was on the Pro Tour, The Calm, and The Storm. Okay, cool. So you, you just reminded me, uh, the one that you did for Mirrodin, was it Mirrodin Besieged? Yep. That one, that was you by yourself. Oh, uh, that one is me by myself, yeah. Okay. So is that the one you were thinking of, or is there actually another... Uh... Uh, no, there's actually um, Mythic Rare I wound up carrying by myself. Okay, cool. I'm excited to, to check those out. Now, uh, as far as the ones that Patrick has has uh, been included on, I think so far of the ones I've heard, I think I've heard uh, Jason the Mind Sculptor, Innovate, and Him to Torok. Um, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of Innovate. That one's, uh, that one's my favorite of... Again, of the ones I've heard. Yeah, I think you probably only heard a, a portion of it because when yeah. you spoiled on your show, it was just the second verse we'd done. Exactly, you're right. It was actually only just a part of the, the uh, that track, so. Uh, I think we we had it on episode 50 or so, something around yep. there. And, so that uh, was actually uh, from the first part of our collaboration when he originally came up, but just for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. We uh, had all these beats we'd been trading back and forth, but we were just getting to understand what it was like to work together. So we were uh, we didn't have a workflow established yet or anything, but the first track we decided to go for was Innovate, and we got a pair of verses laid down on that before time ran out. And we were like, okay, well, originally we brought him in saying uh, – hey, uh, you know, it'd be great when I'm making this album to have you guest on a track. And he was like, sure, that was the original intention. And Innovate was going to be the guest track. By the end of that weekend, we had uh, developed such a good rapport and we're working together so well, like really clicking and churning out uh, beats that we decided, you know what? This isn't just you guesting on one track. This is this should be a shared project. Like it should be half of each of us because we just saw the potential there. Yeah, that actually brings me to a question um, about as far as like the artist, the the albums being released under is it is it just the Gathering or is it the Gathering featuring Patrick Chapin or is the Gathering now going to be considered Patrick like kind of incorporated into that the artist name? You know, it's uh, I just kind of wanted clarification on that. Yeah, no, you nailed it with the last one. Um, because the scope of the project expanded to include all of this contribution from both of us mm-hmm. the the gathering is now me and patrick chapin that's awesome i'm spruik he's the innovator and i know it's uh, a little awk because i still go as 
the gathering is my Twitter handle, but right. what can you do? Um, but the, the gathering is this project and us. Right. So for, for those of you who don't know and have been listening for a while, uh, we've been using music by Bill uh, for quite a while now. I, like I said, we had featured Innovate on episode 50, and then sometime shortly thereafter, we were using uh, different different tracks. I believe Shuffle Em Up was one of them. Still Had All These was was one, and uh, Never Was on the Pro Tour. I was going kind of through those when I was editing. Uh, those were the three that I'd been using. But um, Bill has recently contributed a... Uh, a track specifically made for Yo MTG Taps, which I, I really am excited to to try that. I know uh, Him to Torok is the, the kind of the promo track you guys are using to to kind of push the album. Yeah, we're using uh, Him to Torok because we think it's one of the uh, strongest contributions by both of us. Like we both have verses on that one. There's a couple tracks on the album. Uh, there, you know, there's a bunch of ones, like you said, that are only me. And Chapin has uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor and Innovate and Brewmaster's Delight and The Storm all to himself. Uh, then the rest are, like, collaborations and half and halves. And him to Turok, I mean, I think we just both kill it. It's a great time. It's notable because uh, Chapin helped write that one. Uh, yeah, I think I remember hearing you guys talk about that on uh, on Men of Magic, about how he had written, what, the, the chorus, like the melody for the chorus? Yep, he wrote the melody for the chorus. It's cool. He's, like, such a fast learner. He'd been watching me use the equipment and everything all weekend and watched how I use my program, and he just absorbed enough by osmosis that he was like, you know, I think I know how this works now. Let me uh, move these beats around and help make a new beat. And it was like, wow, dude. And uh, then he gave the chorus to me to sing, but he helped, like, coach me back singing it the same way I'd uh, coached him, like, delivering his lines. That's awesome. That's it's like the, the moment when the trainer becomes the master, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not surprised that Patrick picked that kind of stuff up <laughs> that quick. <laughs> Seems like something he would do. So, um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to it. It's just, just a couple days away uh, from when this episode is posted. So uh, let's move on to some of the... Uh, some of the news of the weekend in the past week. Um, first of all, this past weekend, we had the Star City Games Open Series in Charlotte. Uh, in standard, it was kind of your typical Callblade-filled metagame, and uh, Nate Pease beat AJ Soccer in the finals in a Callblade mirror. Um, AJ Soccer being, again, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, <laughs> making top eight co- consistently and somehow just... Uh, always getting so close and not coming up with a win. But the next day in the Legacy Tournament, he shows up top eights again and actually took this one down. Um, There were actually some more interesting stories from the Legacy portion, and this is kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. First of all, the the biggest thing, pun intended, uh, to show (laughs) to come out of the weekend (laughs) is uh, two guys showed up with Battle of Wits decks. Uh, (laughs) Both Kenny Meyer and Ken Adams both showed up with Battle of Wits decks. Uh, Two different versions. Kenny Meyer playing like a zoo beatdown version, and he actually made top 32 with that version. It was basically all the best kind of cards you you would want in zoo. 
and then you know, I guess as many other cards as he could use to fill out the list and uh, and still have the Battle of Wits win. Uh, for those of you who may not even remember what Battle of the Wits is, uh, or just never knew, it's an enchantment for Blue Blue 3. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, if your library has 200 or more cards in it, you win the game. So it's only legal right now in Legacy. It's not obviously in Standard. But uh, they showed up with libraries that were, you know, a foot tall. And uh, <laughs> and the shuffling was interesting. But the... Um, <clears throat> We had an inkling that this was going to happen because there was a Facebook group. And Joe, you talked to uh... – I talked to Dave Heilker before he and many others chickened out um, <laughs> ab- about this. And he was telling me it was going to be awesome and our original intention was to have him on the show after um, a triumphant metagame warping by uh, many Battle of Wits players. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Um yeah, it sounded like it was going to be like 25 players. He was saying like 25 players, but apparently everyone decided to be a chicken and not do it. Uh, it, it was What was really cool was in round two, they featured uh, Kenny Meyer w- versus Adam Crawford, who was playing show and tell. And uh, <laughs> Adam gets to the point where uh, he plays show and tell and... Adam has Emrakul and Kenny has Battle of Wits. So as soon as it passed to his turn, he won off of uh, Adam's show and tell. It was just one of those moments that seems like one of the uh, the big highlights, not just of the weekend, but one of the more exciting moments to happen on uh, SCG Live. Yeah. It was really get great to be watching it live, and I, I definitely encourage you guys to check that out. Like I said, it's round two in the legacy coverage of Star City Charlotte. Um some of the other uh, crazy cool things that happened over the weekend, Alex Bertoncini, Edgar Flores, and AJ Soccer all made level eight in the Star City Players Clubs. So now there's uh, Jerry T along with those three guys. Um, AJ only had to win had to win one of the events and make the finals of the other to make level eight. So he makes the finals of the standard portion and wins Legacy and actually made level eight. So unbelievable kind of thing there. I don't think he expected to make level eight this weekend at all. It reminded me of Worlds this past year when they said, well, Guillaume Matignon can uh, can tie Brad Nelson for player of the year. All he has to do is win Worlds. <laughs> and he won <laughs> and tied and you know created this historical event. Now, we'll be talking a little bit about Matignon in a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, another story altogether. It really is, but that's, uh, that's what it reminded me of, how AJ basically had to do something very specific and not easy at all and managed to, to do it just this weekend. So uh, there's a little bit of controversy uh, on Twitter about it. Edgar Flores made top eight of both events, made top top four of the legacy event, which cemented him at level eight, and then he uh, he was matched up against AJ, so he scooped AJ into the finals. AJ gets to the finals, and as I said earlier, Kyle Miller scoops to AJ in the finals. So you had this kind of anticlimactic situation where uh, where there's like during the top eight, two scoops getting AJ into the finals. No Raisin Bran, just yeah, the two I was scoops. Yeah, about to say it. I'm glad you said it first. <laughs> um, so now I wasn't watching, but if I were watching the top eight live and there were multiple matches being kind of conceded, it seems kind of like – I, I don't know. As a viewer, it's very anticlimactic, and it's and it's unfortunate as a viewer. You know what I mean? But these guys are out there, you know, busting their asses every week, and they need to uh, t- 
take care of themselves. You know what I mean? Like, like they need to do what they feel they need to do to, um, you know, reap the most rewards and have the most success in the long term. And I would say that getting a four X set of every set for the next 20 months, uh, is the definition of, uh, doing well in the long term. Right. Right. That, and uh, it, it would seem like the pinnacle of self-interest for oneself would not be to be throwing scoops out left and right. But I think that just goes to show how good these particular players in question are is they know they're the same half a dozen people. They keep running into event after event. So it's actually in your own best self-interest, you know, as a competitor, but also a human being to help this person out now, this one time to build up that goodwill and the competitiveness for the future. Yeah, it really says a lot about the game itself when players are willing to do this kind of very selfless thing, especially, you know, getting to the top eight and just saying, you know, like Edgar Flores, you know, he's on a tear. He's really obviously just kind of come out of nowhere in D.C. and just consistently performed very well at these events. And he gets to the top four and says, I made level eight. Uh, I don't need to win this event. I'll just scoop to AJ and get AJ into uh, into a position to to play for level eight as well, and uh, it's just such a selfless thing. It says a lot about the these players and how much they're willing to uh, to just sacrifice in their own interest to help other people out. It says a lot about the tournament structure too. That that really would you know help you out. That it actually you know for Edgar Flores is a self benefiting move. Um, yes, it, I mean, it is also selfless. You certainly could be more selfish with it, but that it pays dividends to, you know, help the other people out now that that pays you back. You have playtest partners, people you're making permanent bonds with forming teams. Really? Yeah. I think the, I think the most noteworthy thing about Edgar's scoop to AJ in the top four of legacy is that, um, uh, when we were in, uh, Memphis, Joey, remember, mm-hmm. uh, uh, AJ made Edgar play out that round, even though he could have. They could have dr- both drew. That's right. Top eight. You know what I mean? So like, so that is like an extremely selfless thing. Whereas like Edgar could have sought revenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for uh, <laughs> for him making him play. Yeah. AJ was first in the Swiss in Memphis. Uh, and right. going going into the final round, so AJ was top eight no matter what. He locked top top eight whether he uh, won or lost or obviously uh, draw either one. So he, he's facing Edgar Flores in the final round. Edgar wants to draw in, and AJ forces him to play it out. He won't give him the draw because if if AJ beats Edgar, Jerry. If AJ beats Edgar and Jerry wins his round, then Jerry makes top eight, or at least had a chance of making top eight. So right. AJ trying to help Jerry uh, makes Edgar beat him. So Edgar actually did beat AJ in the final round and um, went on to make the finals of Memphis. Um, uh, Edgar did, and he just lost in the finals. Uh, Jerry ended up losing his match anyway and wouldn't have made – wouldn't have made top eight anyway, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point because I had forgotten about that. Yeah, so I guess the the bottom line is, as much as it seems kind of crummy to us to be watching and then just lose the the excitement when you're expecting a match and there is no match, uh, I think it's it's well within these players' rights to to decide to scoop and concede to each other and and 
Kind they're of, not. I mean, they're not beholden to us. You know what exactly. I mean? As viewers, like, I mean, as much as we want to watch these matches play out on camera, like, um, the tournament isn't um, isn't around to provide footage yeah. for the camera. The cameras are around to capture footage of the event as it takes place. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a very good way of putting it. So uh, congratulations to all those guys that made level eight and the guys that uh, that actually won the events. Nate Pease and of course AJ Soccer finally gets a trophy. Finally, yeah. The, the funny thing is, I keep saying he finally gets a trophy. Like I even put it on my Facebook about like you know let's get that guy a trophy, and he ended up winning the legacy event. But the in the prize split, he gave the trophy to the other guy. <laughs> so AJ really? doesn't actually have a trophy yet, <laughs> even though he has a win. So it's kind of uh, kind of crazy there. That's um, hilarious. But yeah, he has the win. He, he's level eight. I think uh, that's about as good as it gets right there. And so now these guys, you can expect to see them all over the circuit. Now, actually, this brings up another situation. We we've are we going to have now four times as many players going? Let's help our friends out. Whoever they're matched up against, they're just conceding when they're uh, when they're facing against their friends and trying to get more people. Is this like a snowball effect? You know, I kind of wonder. We'll see how it, how it goes. I mean, doesn't this set the stage for like the next big kind of drama? Is this uh, this circle of scoop and scoop alike can only get so big before there has to be intra-circle drama. So maybe the next the next big like newsworthy item is like Edgar doesn't scoop Jerry so AJ <laughs> can get the pairing against Bertoncini. Right. <laughs> it's just going to be a big, uh, big soap opera. So this, uh, I guess it was last Thursday night, Wizards of the Coast put up a, uh, I guess, a, a press release of sorts talking about how they discovered who was at fault for the the leaking of New Phyrexia, of, of the entire set being spoiled. Um, unfortunately, well, I guess depending on – I think from any angle, it's unfortunate uh, – Two of the key players that were at fault were Guillaume Wafotapa and Guillaume Matignon. Um, Matignon actually being the runner-up in the Player of the Year race, won Worlds, as we mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, he writes for a, a French magazine called Lotus Noir, which is a print magazine. And yes, I know that's strange that print magazines even exist anymore, especially in the, in the world of magic. Um, but uh, he writes for that magazine, and apparently... These print magazines do get access to the the sets, and in this case, apparently the full set, long before the set is actually spoiled officially or released officially, so that they can, I guess, prepare, prepare their print magazine. Uh, from what I understand, this magazine was set for release, I guess, next month or something, so at a point when the whole set would have been known for, for a few weeks. Um, so Matignon apparently is used to discussing some of the cards with his good friend Guillaume Wafotapa and somewhere in I don't know if it was in this exchange or exactly where where the leak took place but those guys are at the uh at the source those guys are the source of the leak between those guys and a couple of other French players um and Wizards has decided to ban Matignon for three years and Wafotapa and the other guys until October 2012, which conveniently is when New Phyrexia will no longer be legal and standard. So uh, it's kind of a, a sad situation because these guys are – I know both of these guys are some of my favorite players. Um, and I, I think a lot of people like these guys and they're I think they're good players. They're not – 
they're not kind of shady guys or anything. The situation just kind of really, you know, they obviously did something wrong. I'm not, def- I'm not arguing the the punishment at all. In fact, uh, there's some evidence to say that they got off easy because other people have been sued or banned for life or banned for maybe not life, but until, you know, tw- 21, 12 or something, you know, for a hundred years, <laughs> essentially life, uh, or, you know, 60 years or something. I, I don't have the numbers, but I know that there have been players that have been banned for far longer. And so these guys at least can come back to the game in a few years, but, uh, it's kind of a really big loss to the community to have these guys not competing. As as you know, both of them made the finals of Worlds um, just this past year, and they're they're, they're name players. Um, the big story that kind of is hiding in between the lines, though, here is the fact that these players actually had access to the set long before anyone else. Um, and this has kind of sparked something of a controversy on its own. Um, did you guys happen to see Matt Sperling's blog post, or did you guys see much of the discussion about this on <clears throat> online? Yeah, I caught all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I want to hear what you guys think. Bill? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a tragedy just for the community at large because, I mean, even they didn't want it to go this way. You know, I think they both deeply regret what happened. This is never what they wanted to see. But I, I was saying on Untapped that I don't really believe in assigning blame or fault because it's kind of an intellectual exercise, but none of it can change what happened. I think that each person involved in the stream from Wizards to the big spoiling kind of did what was natural or incentivized in their situation. Like it's it's in Wizards' best interest to give God books to a print publication so it can do what it does. It's in Lotus Noir's best interest to probably have the best writer they have on staff, you know, the world champion, be the one who writes the article. It's in his best interest and everything points to him probably wanting to use that information. And, you know, that might seem a little off the beaten path, but that's what he would do in that situation. I think that's what most people would do. And then, you know, it's the incentive of the guy in the IRC channel to – kind of try and impress his buddies in IRC because he doesn't have anything to lose from it because he's not the one who's breaking the NDA. So, I mean, the whole thing just makes sense, chain link to chain link. And I don't know at what point they disrupt that chain to prevent this from happening again. I do think they probably change their like NDA agreements with print publications if they're even going to still do the God book thing in the future. They probably change to say like, all right, nobody who's qualified for the pro tour can be the one who sees this information. Yeah, that's what I see going forward. They probably have to make that a qualifier because, you know, it is not fair because now people have to look back and maybe put the so-called asterisk in the history books. Not that I think there should be one because it's still like Guillaume won Worlds, but how far going back in 2010 at all those player of the year race events did, you know, was there extra information involved? Right. It's it's kind of uh, like you said, maybe you're not saying the asterisk should be there and neither am I, but there are going to be people who do feel that way. And the fact is like, we don't know, but there's a good chance that he was seeing these sets and thus able to uh, prepare for formats ahead of time. I I wish I had more data on this, but uh, I feel like somebody should have been able to go back and look through the Lotus Noir archives by now and see how many of the previous set reviews have been done by Matignon or Wafo Tapa. E- either way, I don't mean to judge them. None of what that 
none of what I said is supposed to be meant as an indictment there. It, I think each person was doing what came natural to them as a system of just economics, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole thing broke down. I, it, it really is just a sad thing what happened in its entirety. I'm going to be interested to see what steps each of these things along the scale, the step of Wizards to the magazine, the step of the magazine to its players, etc., how all those connections change to make sure something like this can't happen again. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Um, okay, so I think that um, everyone involved, uh, frankly, got what they deserved. I think it's sad. I wish that it didn't have to happen to uh, you know the current world champion. Uh, but again, nobody is excusable. You know what I mean? Nobody has. But it's funny. Like it's kind of a double standard. You know, like nobody should uh should have special privileges just regardless of their stature and we've obviously learned that um over the last year with like you know people like Posgay and you know, Posgay is like a, a you know a smaller time player but still right. um, starting at Posgay going up to like Saito and now all the way up to Matignon right you know um but at the same time these guys do kind of have special privileges yeah. because Matignon had the set to spoil to begin with, you know? And I, I mean, I understand why he had the set so early because, you know, a lot of people keep going, well, Star City doesn't get the God book. Star City comes out every day. You know what I mean? Like right. Star City releases just goes – post you know what i mean they push a button and new articles appear you know i know like whoever actually does the work it's not that easy and i'm not trying to oversimplify your job but you know it's not like you have to go okay i'm done with this now i have to send it to the printer now it has to get printed and now it has to be out and it's going to come out on this day you know like however long into the future from what was gathered um the um the article was supposed to come out after the set was already out. You know what I mean? So, right. um, but, so I understand why the magazine would get the, would get the God book so early. What I don't understand is why it's in the hands of the current world champion. And, uh, apparently he had been getting, you know, the same thing had been going on for him, According to Twitter, let me let me let me clarify that I'm saying this according to Twitter. I think Evan Irwin had specifically said that it's been going on for years. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. been writing for the magazine for a while, I think. And and apparently he had been doing the set reviews for years, according to Evan. And Lauren was like, "Well, don't say years." And then she went back and said, "Oh, okay. Apparently it is years." <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I mean, like, I remember seeing on Twitter again, like you know, not like information that i know for sure but from what i read between evan and and lauren Mm -hmm. he had been getting the sets early for years and that pisses me off like it really does it's 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 just it's not fair like uh i mean i don't care that i don't get the set early but nobody who's on the pro tour or even in the running for any sort of um game related accolades should be 
you know, be giving getting an outside advantage from the company themselves. You know, it really uh, is a big blow to Wizards' credibility as as a uh, as a company. And I'm not one to you know to like claim the ship is sinking like at every little turn. You know, I'm not. You, uh, any of our listeners would know that I'm one of the first people to say "shut up" and stop, like, stop. You know, being a like, what are they? What are the guys who have the signs? The end is near, like the doomsayer. <laughs> yeah, stop being a doomsayer. Magic's never going to die. And I'm not saying from from this complaint that magic's going to die or magic's ruined because of this, but it really calls to question some of the practices. You know, it, it's one of those things that. It should not happen at all. There is no excuse for a player of Matignon's stature getting the God Book for however many sets, for however long, however long before they come out. Yeah. Unacceptable and shame on you, Wizards, for even letting that happen. I, I 100% agree with you, and I think there's an easy solution, although somebody's going to suffer, and I think the easy solution is you can't give the God Book to anyone. You can't give the God Book to Lotus Noir. They, they just, they, you know, their publication may be saying, well, we're not publishing this until July. Well, you know, sorry, we still can't give you the God Book. You know, you're, you have to deal with the pitfalls of being a print publication in a digital world. And we, you know, it's, it's your choice, Lotus Noir. If you want to be a website, you stop printing your magazine, be a website, and then we can send you the God book at the same time as we send, as, as everybody else knows about it. And you guys can write your articles like Patrick Chapin writes his spoiler articles. You know, you can get spoilers here and there, just like every other site. If you want to um, be a print publication, these are the kind of things that you need to deal with. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right that the players get them ahead of time and uh, that, that any players get them ahead of time. And it's just only natural that there are going to be players writing for the magazines. Like, like Bill said, uh, you know, this guy is obviously one of the better players in the world. The current world champion. Right, exactly. <laughs> Why not have him write the set reviews? So I think it's simple. Uh, unfortunately for magazines like Lotus Noir, I just don't think they their their status as a print publication gives them the right to, to see things ahead of time. And I think that's, that's the solution here. And I don't, I'm surprised to see that this hasn't – that this seems obvious to me. Because there, this is one of the reasons there aren't print publications because information in print is just too slow. And right. so now that's why the, the availability of this information daily on sites like Star City uh, is, is what kind of pushed the print publications further behind. And it's their choice to stay in that medium. They they can't say, well, wizards, please, we we're not going to be printed until later. We're a print publication, you know. Poor us. Well, you you made that decision, you know. That company right. is making that that choice, you know. Well, I mean, they've, I mean, just having uh, the writers that were entrusted with that information screw up so royally. They've, I mean, every, I mean, every print publication that exists right now, if there are many more outside of Lotus Noir, can thank Guillaume Matignon for ruining it for everyone else. You know what I mean? Like, well, ruining it for everyone else, but I think it was important because I think what should happen is none of these guys should get it, and it sh- shouldn't oh, be. Yeah. Some, they shouldn't have had it in the first place. So yeah, you can look at it as ruining it, but I don't think it should have been there in the first place. Well, I'm I saying. Mean, like, 
they, they're they're done. I mean, yeah. like, you can guarantee that like Wizards is done giving out God books to any damn publication, and for very good reason. There's there there. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! How stupid do you have to be to be like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, a magazine. I can understand that. Oh, and the player of the year uh, currently is writing the article. Gee, I don't see any conflict of interest there. Sure, send them the whole set. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it just seems like the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. It just seems so stupid. And, you know, he's had a couple weeks to, you know, I guess it doesn't matter now, but, like, you know, what's coming up this summer? The Block Pro Tour. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, who knows yeah. how long he's had this God book? We just the, know how long we've had it. Go ahead, Bill. The most breakable format because you're getting one third of all the available cards. It's not even like we're heading into a standard or an extended Pro Tour. We're heading into the Block one, which, you know, that's a format that takes time to break. The damage is done. I mean, like, if 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 you know, he regardless of his status as a player, he can still brew, and he still had time to brew, and I'm sure he's got the email address of one or two players who aren't banned for you know three years who can take his brews and win with them, you know, and it's all thanks to um, you know bogus uh, like. Just the whole, just a bogus situation altogether. Like it's just really un- unfortunate and sad. I mean, it's sad for the players uh, that that someone of his stature would get that God book. It's sad for the players that we don't get the uh, the joy and benefit of a slow rolled spoiler season that we look forward to as much as we would like to say. You know, man, I just wish we could see the whole set. You know, like like we, I mean, when we're getting the cards one at a time. It's like, man, I wish I could just see the whole set. But then, like that happens, and you get your wish, and you're kind of like, this isn't really what I had hoped for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no. And it's unfortunate for Wizards because now their whole product is spoiled. Um, it's unfortunate for there's no there are no winners in this situation. It just sucks. And like, and um, I don't know. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> Bill, did you have more to say? Because I know it sounded like at one point you were you had something. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to agree with with Joe that uh, I think the real tragedy here is the loss of the spoiler season. It's uh, I think that there's the blow to all the small sites that rely on their spoiler traffic for sure. But I also think there's all the hard work Wizards puts into the product. I mean, they make a lot of really cool cards for us as players, and they all deserve to be, I think, appreciated and savored as their own little gems. And so many of them could have generated an entire day's worth of discussion on Twitter or a 50-page long forum thread as they were spoiled one by one. I'm not just talking about the the card with its mechanics and its rules text, but the art and the flavor in this set are home runs, the best they've been in years. Mm -hmm. And I think that because... It was like we gorged on the whole bowl of chocolates at once instead of eating them one at a time. You don't notice half of them. I I look at some of these cards that nobody's talking about, like even Gutshot. And if Gutshot had had a a day in the sun all to itself where that was the one card spoiled that day, people would have been talking about the little ramifications of Gutshot. Hey, I, I can see this playing a role. It could kill Lotus Cobra for such and such a deck. That's a perfect example of the kind of thing we don't get to talk about. Because the whole set was spoiled at once like that, we have the same five cards. Uh, your Mental Misstep, your Gataxian Probe, uh, 
one or two of the Predators is all anybody's going to talk about because they are the biggest and splashiest. And at some scale, they're your nine and ten out of tens. And there was so much room for people, you know, even if like Slash Panther had had a day to itself, how high do you take Splash Panther and Limited? Nobody even gets to have this discussion now. It's not at the front of everyone's brains because we're still all hung up on mental misstep. That's the shame when you do it all at once. Yeah, that's a really, 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 really good point. Um, like the the focus, you instead of focusing on a, a handful of cards and really taking a look at them and reading them over and kind of thinking, you know, devoting mental energy to trying to break them you're just given this entire set and you just can't pay attention to every card you you read everything very superficially at first and then the ones that jump out at you are the ones that that you pay attention to and otherwise everybody's forgetting about you know death hood cobra and you know and the fact that uh you know the the artwork is the best thing about the card unfortunately but It's uh, anyway. That was the card that's in front of me. As no, I'm, but that, you have a very good point there too. I, I would like to point out in particular. I think this set is the best art in the entire modern era of Magic. Maybe that's just me as like a a weekend, you know, goth industrial lover or something. But <laughs> they nailed something with this set from a flavor perspective. And so many of those cards could have been savored as morsels for a whole day, just like, look at the expression on the Mirren's face as he's completed, or something like that. I right. just didn't even notice it. I was like, next power bomb, next power bomb, scroll down, scroll down. Oh, that card. You know. I totally agree with you. This artwork is unbelievable and it's it's hard to appreciate it appreciate these, you know, on their own because you're just given the entire thing at once. And I think hopefully over time I think It'll just become like any other set, and we'll all kind of look back over. Remember when that happened? That was so crazy. But for now, we lose the enjoyment of of these kinds of things. And um, you know, you, you, there's a lot that I think we're missing while while we're getting a whole lot of information. I think there's a lot that we're missing by not being able to uh, devote the attention that is deserved to individual cards or individual small groups of cards because. Uh, well, obviously we can. We can all just sit here and stare at due respect and uh, <laughs> and the figure. Hmm. So it's an instant for white and one. Permanence enter the battlefield. Tap this turn. Draw a card. What can we do with this? Everybody's skipping it. You know, to go to Elish Norn, which is the next card on the list. You know. Well, I mean, so- I think that what this is going to create is a really big second wave of innovation in the next uh, standard and block season. Because people are so hung up on the first wave, you know, we're going to see a Providence that's just completely dominated by more mental missteps and Gataxian probes than people should be playing, and so on and so forth. After, I think, a month or two, you're going to have people quietly noticing the uh, the Vault Scourges and the Porcelain Legionnaires, the stuff that nobody paid attention to the first time around. I think the real innovation period for this set is going to hit um, kind of a delayed time lapse, like a couple months after its release. I think you're right, and and you actually bring me to to the next little chunk of topic that I was going to talk about is uh, the fact that we did get all these cards at once and kind of quickly analyzed them. We recorded our last episode literally like 12, 15 hours after we saw the cards, so it wasn't – we we, we didn't have very long – we recorded an, a spoiler episode so fast, Star City wouldn't even let us put it out yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the uh, that's the reason for the delay last week was they they wanted to slow roll all the talk of all the spoilers, so they uh, they wanted us to delay the episode a week. So 
you know, what you heard wasn't our thoughts after several days. It was just literally the next morning we're on the, uh, you know, on the phone, on Skype recording our spoiler episode. So we missed a lot. Well, you know, it's the point I'm getting to. So there are a couple combos that I, that I wrote down that I've heard about, read about, um, on some other podcasts and, uh, and different articles and things that, that I just totally missed. And I'm sure, you know, this isn't by any means, uh, an exhaustive list. In fact, it's just three combos, but I just thought they were interesting because I, Certainly did not even think about them, um, but uh, the first one is, is isn't super exciting, but it's interesting. Uh, Batter skull and Phyrexian metamorph. The uh, you can copy Batter skull with Phyrexian metamorph, and now you can return the metamorph to your hand to come down as something better, like a better creature or a, a better artifact. I thought that was kind of cool because of the Batter skull ability to return to your hand. Uh, metamorph actually gets kind of stronger. So a better artifact, you can bring it down to copy a better artifact than Batter Skull? Yeah, I know. There really aren't that many. <laughs> but, Look, know. I have two Batter Skulls. Right. <laughs> I want something better than Batter Skull. Um, better than Better Skull. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, or just a better creature. You know, say somebody drops something, some uh, Shieldred or something, and you're like, you know what, I got to get rid of that. I'm going to bounce my batter skull and then play Phyrexian Metamorph to copy Shieldred, and now it kills her. So at least I did, you know, it's just another bit of versatility for that card. And uh, I think Phyrexian Metamorph is one of the more interesting cards that we've seen um, that is getting overshadowed by uh, all, so many other cards. One of the other combos that I thought was interesting, and I think these guys, the guys on the Untapped podcast were talking about this, um, was Chancellor of the Tangle and Fauna Shaman. Chancellor of the Tangle is the, uh, the one that you can reveal. Oh, yeah. Right. That was uh, BDM actually mentioned that on uh, – I don't know who, met, who came up with it first, but I saw BDM post that on Twitter. Yeah, it's uh, I, you know, I'm sure other people are coming up with it, but the fact is, it's a it's it's a neat combo, and uh, the it's a six seven for green 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 four creature beast rare. You may reveal it from your opening hand if you do at the beginning of your first main phase. Add green to your mana pool, and it has vigilance and reach. But those are kind of irrelevant because the the cool thing is, turn one you can drop forest or you can reveal this, drop a forest or a green mana source, and play fauna shaman. Turn two, activate fauna shaman and discard the chancellor because you don't need it anymore. So turn two, you're activating a Fauna Shaman and you already have a creature to dump. I just thought that was a cool interaction. It's a really cool interaction. Um, and then this one, which I think is the most exciting, and it was Patrick Chapin who kind of came up with it. It seem, seemed like kind of off the cuff, like as they were recording on the uh, the most recent episode of Crazy Talk, um, was Jin Gitaxius and Sword of Feast and Famine. Um, now, Crazy Talk's a legacy podcast, but I think they brought up Jin Gitaxius as a possible uh, reanimator. Re- yeah, reanimator target. So Jin Gitaxius is the guy we talked about last week too. He's the one that that uh, your opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven, and uh, at the beginning of your end step, you draw seven cards. He's a five four with flash for blue blue and eight, so he's ten mana. But if you have sort of feast and famine. On something and uh, and f- you attack it uh, it whatever your your squadron hawk deals damage with the trigger on the stack tap your five lands untap the lands tap them again flash in Jingataxius during combat. Wait, what? <laughs> he has flash, so you can flash him in during combat. You can uh, 
let put the trigger on the stack, the uh, the Sword of Feast and Famine trigger. So when your sword or when your squadron hawk, for this example, deals combat damage, you untap your lands and they discard a card, right? So you right. put you put that trigger on the stack. You tap your five lands, add five mana to your pool. Trigger resolves. Your oh lands untap. God, tap okay. your five lands. So now you have ten mana in your pool, and you play Jingataxius during combat. Um, totally. And then you just draw seven, right? Well, you draw seven at, at the beginning of your end step. Yeah, you, you can say pass the turn. Um, draw seven. <laughs> I mean, just seven. Only seven. It's just okay. unfortunately no more. And than they that. just discard their hand. Uh, not during your end step, but during their end step, mm-hmm. they have to. They have, their maximum hand size is reduced by seven. So at, during their end step, they have to discard down to uh, zero. So uh, I thought that was pretty sick because there aren't that many flash creatures in standard that people are really thinking about playing. But sort of feast and famine with any flash creature seems pretty sick. And now with this, this seems really disgusting. That's just so nuts. So those were the three I had written down from from just different places, um, and I, I thought they were worth mentioning. I really like really like Jingataxius more and more. Yeah, it's, it's a cool <laughs> card, and it says Flash on it. I figured you'd at least like that a little bit. Yeah, it usually helps just having Flash. <laughs> so um, just a little bit of news. I don't know if you guys have noticed this on Twitter, but Card Kingdom has uh, kind of opened up a new store. They're, they're a store located in Seattle, and they're also, uh, they have a web web store, but they have a physical store location. They've, they've just kind of moved it, remodeled it, and opened a cafe called Cafe Mox. Um, have you guys seen this? What? It's, it looks awesome. I think it just opened uh, a couple days ago. I think actually the first public, the, or first day that it was open to the public is, uh, is today, May 2nd, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that. I know they had, like, a an opening, like, a grand opening kind of party this past weekend, and, like, Mark Rosewater was there, and Aaron Forsyth and things. Um, it just seems like an awesome, awesome place to, to check out if you're ever in Seattle. Uh, if you're actually lucky enough to be in Seattle or near Seattle, then you, uh, I envy you, but, uh, I... If I ever make it out to Seattle, or when I eventually make it out to Seattle, this is one of the places I really want to visit. It's it's basically a, a magic themed pub, I guess is the best way to to describe it. All, all I could think is that if I get to a magic themed pub, I'm probably recording drinking and drafting part two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like a crazy, awesome place, and uh, I definitely hope I can make it out there one day. As far as upcoming events, we have the new Phyrexia pre-release this weekend, which is pretty awesome. I'm excited about that. Next weekend is StarCityGames.com Open Series in Orlando. Joe and I will be there doing coverage for SCG Live. Weekend after that is uh, Star City Games Louisville, May 21st and 22nd. And then after that, uh, actually the same weekend, uh, GP Prague, which is limited, is, uh, is that weekend, May 21st and 22nd. So those are the events you can look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Um, Bill plug your album <laughs> yeah the one more event you can look forward to is a uh, release on may 9th of the gathering the, the self-titled album 16 tracks me and patrick chapin check it out in star city and channel fireball yeah it's, it'll be uh, just a couple of days from when this episode is posted so uh be on the lookout the album does not include the omtg taps theme song so the only way to hear that is to listen to omtg taps every week there That's, you go there you go i like that and uh, one quick shout out to uh, to Bruce Richard, who 
actually brought me Red Bull at uh, in Star City, Boston, and I wanted to just give him a shout out because that was so awesome of him to do. Like he just surprised me, comes over to the booth and hands me a four pack of Red Bull, uh, which was just totally cool of him. So shout out to Bruce Richard. So. Uh, and- I would have to, if any of our frequent listeners, like, or any of our hardcore listeners brought me a four pack of Red Bull, I'd have to give them slops right now because they know what that stuff does to me. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> okay, can I get one shout out in here? Yeah, go for it, Bill. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to uh, at Laura G. Deemer. She's uh, my videographer and she's done every The Gathering video so far that's on YouTube. And she's going to have a new uh, Spruik music video premiering for me later this week. Awesome. She, yeah, she does some awesome work. The stuff I've seen that uh, she's done is excellent. Yeah, so where can uh, where can people contact you, find you on the web, etc., Bill? Uh, I'm at spruik.net, S-P-R-U-K-E.net. You can hear all the music I've ever made at soundcloud.com slash spruik. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. I have Spruik recordings as a Facebook page, and I'm at the Gathering on Twitter. The is spelled with an A, and Gathering has no G because I have to keep it gangster like that. Oh yeah, no G at the end. Yeah, and it's not the Gathering. Step to me. And uh, I'm also Spruik on YouTube. In the YouTube channel, you can find the lyrics videos for Jace the Mind Sculptor. Still had all these. Never was on the Pro Tour. Shuffle them up. There's some more coming. And uh, in a week, we should have legitimate music videos for original Spruik tracks like 80 Above and 20 Below on there. Awesome. And I'll, uh, I'll link some of that stuff in the show notes so you guys can all check that out. So uh, thanks for being on, Bill. We appreciate your... Uh your contributions to the show being kind of a guest co- guest host here with us oh dude thanks it was a great time and uh that said we are yo mtg taps stop bitching start brewing